0: Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, I've spent the last 10 days with Gerald Ratner, the infamous man who at the peak had £2 billion turnover in his business, and this was in the 80s, and owned half the jewellery industry uh, in Europe. He was the biggest jeweller in the whole world. Uh, Now, you know, I've shared this many times with you on the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and on the live videos over time, that I really believe in having great mentors. I believe that you are a product of your environment. So if you spend your time with great mentors, very wise people, very experienced people, if you're running a business, successful business people, it will rub off on you. Uh, And I feel very fortunate to have spent uh, 10 days literally in Gerald Ratner's pocket. He's just flown back, actually, and he's probably glad to have got rid of me. And I thought, while it's fresh in my mind, I thought I'd share 20 things about Gerald Ratner and what I think you could have learned if you were with me in Dubai doing masterminding with Gerald Ratner for 10 days. Um, I just thought that'd be really valuable for you uh, to learn and to, to be able to, I guess, stand on my shoulder, stand on the shoulders of giants, on the shoulders of giants. And to put a little bit of a, a stamp in time of this. Uh, and also, I've got a quite an exciting announcement at the end of this uh, podcast to share with you. There's nothing to buy or anything like that, but it's pretty exciting. So stay with me for that. All right. So, uh, like I said, at the peak in the 80s, Gerald Ratner's companies, uh, he had half the jewellery business in Europe. He'd uh, bought his competition. He'd even bought the biggest competitors, H Samuel, that were bigger than him. He was doing two billion in turnover. Uh, and 125 million pounds in profit. Now, I reckon inflation is it would have about three x that now. So that could have been five or six billion in today's money. I mean, that's unbelievable. He had 32,000 staff. 32,000 staff. He owned 12 jewelry stores in a row on Bond Street. He had Patek Philippe, Rolex, uh, Cartier. He Had uh, all of them in a row. I mean, I, I one thing I learned from Gerald is. Um, and I've been this has been bubbling in my mind for maybe a few um, a couple of years now, probably is like um, owning your competition, um, because, you know, if you think about it, your competition are your biggest rivals, uh, that's maybe where you would get your best business from your competition. So own them, buy them, own them. Uh, and that's something that Gerald Ratner has done very, very well. Okay, right. Now this is going a bit deeper and I think you'll enjoy this one. So Gerald opened up a lot. He just, I mean, I don't think there was anything he didn't tell us. He really uh, didn't hold back. That's another great thing about being part of a, a private mastermind group is that you can talk about the confidential things, you can talk about the things you wouldn't want in books or you wouldn't want on live videos or out to the, you know, to the wider public and Gerald definitely did a lot of that and I've got his permission to share this stuff, by the way. None of it is something that he wouldn't tell you if he was sort of in front of you but it's not stuff he publicizes. So Gerald said that one of the reasons he lost everything is because he was so um, like almost mon- monomaniacally focused on one thing and that was growth grow, 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 acquire, merge, acquire, you know, buy up all the competition, all the money that he made, he plowed back into shares in his own company. Um, You know, we were quite quite surprised he hadn't brought a load of property or he hadn't, you know, hived a lot of money off into watches, classic cars, anything like that. But he said he put all of his time, all of his money and all of his energy into M&As, buying shares in his own company. He didn't diversify. He completely focused uh, and there was a bit of a paradox here, because on the one hand, he said that was one of the reasons why he grew uh, Ratner's so huge. But he also uh, admits that that was one of the reasons why um, it all kind of went wrong, uh, you know, because he's, he's quite he's very candid, Gerald. Uh, and he said that, you know, his speech wasn't just the thing that, you know, made uh, Ratner's you know, start to go wrong. There were some things that led up to that. And that speech was maybe the, the catalyst. Um, he didn't own any of the property. He had two and a half thousand stores, all on leases. He didn't own one of the properties. And he said that one of the things that he did respect and admire about Mark and myself is, you know, that we hold on to a lot of the properties. So let that be a lesson to you. Yes, you should be focused, but you know, sometimes there are these su- successful people, business mentors, influencers, thought leaders who say, focus on one thing, follow one course until successful. Well, I actually think that's uh, maybe one-sided at best, or at worst, quite damaging advice. And Gerald Ratner, uh, he admitted to us all that um, whilst he loved the money back then, and it's a, f- a fine line, uh, maybe fifty-one forty-nine. He did say he is happier now, and if he had the choice between going back then and having all the money, but you know, being maybe a, a little bit so and too focused. Versus the balance he has now. He'd take the balance that he has now. And, and, you know, he would have probably diversified a lot more of his money and his time. Okay, then number four, Gerald believes that the mass market is where all the business is. So he went for the mass market, he went for the lower end, you know, the affordable jewelry, um, you know, the affordable watches, uh, the affordable decanters, that kind of thing. So he thinks that that is where the most business growth is because you serve the most numbers of people. He wasn't saying that, you know, the high end or the luxury end or the limited market wasn't a good market. But if you really want to grow and scale, he reckons that's where the business is at. And if you look at Facebook and Apple and Uber, you know, they serve the mass market and Gerald loves those markets. Uh, The fifth thing that I thought would be good to share with you is he says that he absolutely loves selling. He believes that selling is the most important thing in business. He admires great salespeople. He listens to them. He learns from them. He said if he ever gets cold called, he listens to them, lets them do their pitch and tries to learn from them. And I just thought that's a really good way of looking at it. I think too many of us Brits are so scared of selling or anti-selling or think that it's bad to sell. You know, we cut off the cold sales um, people, we don't let people do sales pitches, we kind of wriggle out of it, we're uncomfortable with it. But you can actually learn from everybody's patter, everyone's pitch, the way they sell things. If you see a great salesperson on the street, you know, in the middle of a shopping center selling something, uh, you know, or you know, when you walk down, say, Muscle Beach or somewhere, and your people come up to you and pitch to you, and they're good, watch them, listen to them, let them pitch on you, and if they're good, give them a tip because you will pick up their strategies. And, and certainly, we, Gerald, myself, and Mark, agreed that. You know, there's nothing wrong with selling and you should learn from great salespeople. Okay, number six, then, Gerald believes that it's really important to retain great people. And he basically said, find good people and pay them really good money, reward them, give them bonuses, give them shares, especially buyers in Gerald's jewellery business or, you know, maybe the higher level management um, and salespeople. Uh, I'm going to add one in here that's not in here because it's just popped into my head. So we're going to be doing 21. So Gerald said to me that um, he hasn't really said this publicly to anyone, but he said, I want to be honest with you, Rob. I've never really worked that hard in my life. I'm quite lazy. And you know, you watch all these American hustlers and it's like, hustle, hustle, hustle. You'll never be successful unless you work 100 hours a week. You've got to hustle, hustle, hustle. Well, Gerald was the biggest jeweler in the world. Two billion turnover, which would now be five or six billion turnover. And whilst he was a monomaniacally focused on one thing, he said, he just laid back, he took a sip of his beer while we were having dinner last night. And he said, you know what, Rob, I've never really worked that hard. He said, you can really work hard on the wrong thing. He says, you need to have space to think. Um, and, you know, some of your best ideas come at the random times where you need to be of clear mind. He really likes walking. He really likes having discussions with other business people. He used to play snooker with Charles Sarchi and Michael Green. Um, and, and I've always said... That There's nothing wrong with working hard, but you should work hard in short, sharp bursts. But you should have time in your life to think, to watch, to learn, to listen, uh, to get ideas in different niches and industries and spaces, to talk to people, to never, too be, to never be too busy and blinkered to work and understand what's going on in the world around you. And so you've heard it from Gerald. So that was an extra one there. So number seven, he said that he loves business and he'd absolutely rather be doing a, a private mastermind like he was for us uh, in Dubai than sitting on the beach. He just loves business. Um, he loves business so much. He actually married his secretary because she loved business, too. And he, He's not advising that, by the way. Um, it's just funny. All right. He said then he's happier now that he has balance. He said he was too focused on growth. Um, but he was on the fence when I said, would you rather have everything you had back then and be successful and not have had your major boo-boo? Um, you know, like he's got a word now, doing a rap now. Gerald is in the dictionary. That's a legacy. Um, but he was quite on the fence. But yeah, fifty-one forty-nine in favour of having more balance in your life. Um, you know, it's very likely if Gerald would have had 1,750 stores and taken a little bit longer and owned some of the property instead of all being leases, you know, he may have... Uh, still been growing until very recently. I think Ratner's was valued at 10 billion. So, you know, if Gerald had been in that, that, that would have been a, a decent amount of that would have been his. Um, right. OK, great. Number nine, then, which is actually our number 10 now, isn't it? Uh, he said that he really believes in selling shares uh, to and raising cash for growth. And actually, we had a massive debate. There is 20 of us on this um, Dubai mastermind. And we had a big debate about this. Because um, Mark and I don't believe in selling shares and diluting our company. Uh, we'd rather glow, grow at 10 to 15 percent a year, but be able to grow for 40 or 50 years than do 50 or 100 or 200 percent for five years and then go bust. And, you know, I challenged Gerald on it and he challenged me on it. And we were really forcing each other to think in a different um, realm, if you like. Uh, but he still re- he, he said to us, you know, look, you should sell shares in your company. You should raise 10 million and you could really grow aggressively with that. You need cash for growth. Um, and it really got us thinking. I don't think Mark and I were persuaded by Gerald. Um, you know, we like the fact that we have 100% shareholding, well, 50-50. So Mark, both Mark and I have 100% shareholding in Progressive um, in, in one of the limited companies anyway, and in Unlimited Success, one of the limited companies. In one of our LLPs, we have um, uh, a couple of other partners, uh, but that's separated. And Gerald actually only ended up with 2%. So if he does £125 million in profit, Um, in his best year but he only makes five of that you know and then hey look he was obviously happy with that but um you know you don't have to be anywhere near as big or as risky so we had a big debate about that and um, i'm going to be exploring that a lot more Uh, mark and i might um, maybe break our companies up i'm thinking about um pulling out some some part of what we do in our innovation department that's the doorbell um, I'll let him come in and then I'll send him away again. So, we're, we're thinking about hiving off a department, setting up a new company. And, and, and I think that new company has a lot of potential growth, maybe even more than progressive. Um, so, I might consider selling shares in that to grow that more aggressively. But, I, you know, my main, our main entities, I'm going to keep them as they are. Okay, so next then is uh, brand is everything in business. Absolutely everything. This is according to Gerald. Obviously, he had Ratner's, which was a great brand until it wasn't. He had H Samuel, which was a great brand. Um, And, and you know, he said that Apple are living on the velocity of what Steve Jobs created. He said that, you know, there's no way any other company would have lasted so long without Steve Jobs. So yeah, he just says that brand is everything. Uh, and you know the famous saying, don't you, that it takes 10 years to build a reputation and five minutes to lose it. Uh, so something to think about there. Number 11 is, uh, and this is just for fun, uh, but Gerald kept name dropping all these big wigs. And it's funny because Gerald kept saying, look, I don't want to uh, um, name drop here, but, and then he'd name drop. So he used to have quite regular dinners with Margaret Thatcher. Um, he had um, various business meetings with George Soros. Um, obviously, he was good friends with Charles Saatchi. Uh, he's got some crazy stories. He almost bought Tiffany. Uh, he almost bought Cartier. He was on The Celebrity Apprentice. I mean, who's done this stuff? Mark and I just had such the best time with him. And in fact, everyone on the Mastermind just totally loved him. Uh, we're really um, pleased that he's coming back to Cayman with us next year. He's just amazing. Um Next thing then, what were we on 12 or 13, Gerald said that he thinks that you need to be continually creative in selling. And when Gerald got into jewellery, they never used a discount. Uh, and Gerald discounted. and you know obviously discounts are normal now isn't it look at sports direct it's huge about discounting but he said that no one discounted and then he started that he said no one put big posters in the window he did that he said no one worked out the exact height where the jewelry should be based on the average height of a you know of a woman because they 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 drive the decisions for the jewelry um and so he says be continually creative in your selling Um, He said some of his salespeople, um, if someone was going to leave the shop and go and look in another shop, the sales, the good salespeople would actually walk out with them down to the other shop and stand there with them and be there with them. And then if they got offered a price, he said, I'll I'll beat that price. Come back to my shop. Uh, And he just thinks that selling is really important. And he, he more admires the Americans than the UK in terms of selling. Okay. He said, "Then next, so what we on fourteen? Become your competition." And I mentioned that a bit earlier. Become your competition. Buy them. Be behind multiple brands. We talked about Unilever and um, is it LNVH, LVMH? You know the Louis Vuitton group. You know these brands. um, They own multiple brands, dozens, hundreds um, of high-end brands. So the Louis Vuitton group, they own watch brands. Obviously, they own um, clothing brands and designer brands. And Unilever own loads of consumable products Uh, and uh, if you can get behind multiple brands and if you can end up buying up some other brands in your industry you know like gerald is clear that gerald likes to completely own and, and dominate a market and gerald had ratner's h samuel ernest jones and watches of switzerland among, uh, and then, of course, he had smaller boutique ones that he bought as well. OK, next one, then, is Gerald has reinvented himself three times. He's had three careers. And um, in, in the sort of evenings and dinners, not so much on the masterminds, Gerald and I were talking a lot uh, about how, you know, you need to reinvent yourself now because life is different. You don't just, you know, do you remember when, you know, it was um, uh, John and son's butchers and the son, his destiny for life was to take over the butchers from his dad. Uh, and everything was something, and sons uh, and, and and then, when that sort of evolved, it would be like, "Well, you would do the profession that your father told you, but it would be a different profession like you 're going to be a doctor you 're going to be a dentist you 're going to be a lawyer, uh, and the world 's completely different now, and uh, people are not staying in jobs very long. Apparently, people stay in jobs now an average of about ten months now don 't quote me on that because that 's what i 've been told by someone. Um, just what, about six years ago when I was doing the research, it looked like about every two years people move uh, and people are moving a lot more. They're a lot more transient. The world is different. There's all this vagabonding and traveling and um, batching time and micro holidays and all this kind of stuff, micro retirements. Um, and, and so it's really important to, to be able to reinvent yourself. And if you can't reinvent yourself, you're probably not going to last and, and, and you know, and have a great uh, career. Um, And also it gives you that flexibility and that variety. And Gerald's done that three times. He was initially in um, jewellery and then he had a health club that he sold for four million. Uh, And now he's a very um, well sought after um, keynote speaker. He charges a good fee and he's done over three thousand two hundred speeches. And that's the exciting news I've got about uh, linked to that, by the way, which I'll tell you at the end. Okay, next point then, I think we're on about, what, 15, 16, is he reckons you should mostly do the opposite of everyone else. Uh, And he thinks that conventional usually means me too or boring. And too many people just assume that conventional is right. So if they say you can't or they say you shouldn't, you probably should and you definitely can Next one is, and it's linked to this, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's right. And he thinks that people blindly follow what's normal, assuming it's right. But often normal is wrong. Uh, Just linked to, you know, conventional wisdom often isn't wisdom. Um, So don't blindly assume that something is right just because it's done that way or it's normal or it's how other people do it. Um, never take that for granted and always question and challenge how things are done and try and do things differently. know, uh, and ask, why has this been done like this for centuries or decades or weeks even? What's the point? Look at these. Um, someone once looked at a suitcase there and thought, why do we have to carry those huge suitcases? Why is it always done like that? And then someone put wheels on them. And completely changed the world. You can't, I mean, you can't imagine a suitcase without wheels now. But yeah, I, I remember when we used to have to travel and lug these frickin' great uh, bags around. Um, so yeah, you know, just try and think out of the box laterally. Always never just look at something and think, oh, okay, yeah. Just, just sort of try and think, why have they done it like that? What's the reason behind it? Is there a better way? Okay, next then is closing things down is often as good as building and acquiring things Um, and just to just want to say I hope you're enjoying the video um June June Braid has just said that she's really enjoying this so give me a high or a wave or something a thumbs up if you're finding it useful let's have a, a 10 second break I don't do ad breaks if I was doing an ad break it'd be just about time for an ad break if you've got any questions ping them in the live feed video I've got about another five left let me know where you're tuning in from give me an angry face if you think I'm Whatever you want. All right. So he says that no one is really giving, given any credit for winding companies down, closing things, stopping doing things. But he thinks that takes a lot of courage and he admires people who have the courage uh, and the, um, the vision to close things that aren't working. And he calls a uh, reference to famous Steve Jobs, who when he went back to Apple for the second time and then Apple had like 60 products or something like that. And Steve Jobs got rid of all of them by like half a dozen. Um, because he thought they were spreading themselves too thin. None of these products were going to work. And Because no one before that probably had the courage to do that. Uh, And Steve Jobs was able to go, it's not going to work, not going to work, not going to work. We need to focus all of our energies into these few products. Um, He says it's also really cathartic. It's really cathartic to, to, to say, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm letting that go or that product or that business or that company. It's not right anymore. The world's changed. I need to let that go, wind that up and dissolve that as quickly as possible. And we talked about that a lot because um, often when you're doing mentoring, you're not just advising people on what to do. You're advising people on what to stop, what not to do. Um, there's quite a few people, myself included in our mastermind, who are really big on ideas. I've got like, a, I have a million ideas and that's a curse as much as it is a, be- a blessing. Sometimes I wish I had one idea because then I've got one thing to execute. But when I've got 50 ideas, it's oh, what, what do I do? And that can be really overwhelming. So saying no to things and stopping things when you're doing too many things, um, you know, that will give you, give you your energy, your time, your mind space back and it will just free you to then do the right things. OK, and incidentally, he actually had really hard decisions on that. He fired his dad uh, and he also fired his cousin. Um, and he, he said that was really, really hard. Um, but he said it was the right thing to do. And once it was done, he felt that catharsis because it was the right thing to do. I'm not advising you to do that. I'm just saying he did that. And I think that shows immense courage to do that if you believe in your heart that that's right. But of course, it's your family. Um, So that links to the next one. We've got about two left. Too many ideas is a bad thing, but covered it. So um, be careful not to overwhelm yourself and spread yourself too thin and, you know, do 10 things and get one tenth of the way there when you could be doing one thing and get all the way there. Um, He said that discounting um, shouldn't just be looked at in isolation, because if you have multiple products, if you have like a staircase or a funnel, as marketers call it, or, you know, people can buy something and then get the next level and the next level. If you discount the first product or service they buy from you, they'll come back and buy a lot more from you because they've got trust with you. Um, the hardest um, pound to spend um, on you from someone who doesn't know you is that first pound. So Gerald will quite happily discount a lot of his lower value products down. And then people would buy a lot more products from him and then he'd get that brand loyalty and they'd, they'd get, extend the lifetime client value. Um, So he believes that discounting gives gives your clients a lot more access to you and they'll spend a lot more with you and increase that uh, lifetime value. Uh, He said then, finally, um, that there's nothing worse than being bitter and believe me, I've been bitter. That's what Gerald said. So he says, you've got to get over it. You've got to move on. Don't be bitter because it only hurts you. He spent seven years being bitter and if he'd have had that time back, he could have done amazing things with it. So you've just got to let that go, even if it means... You know, letting someone be right or um, just, you know, keeping your mouth closed when you think, you know, you're being attacked. Don't be bitter. Just move on. OK, he also said he can't shut off ever. He just thinks about business all the time. He's obsessed by it. And I can myself and Mark can certainly relate to that. He loves being around like minded people in business. He wants to talk about business all the time. So he married his secretary, who he's been married to now for 32 years. Moira, who I was lucky to have dinner with and met his um his kids, Sarah and Johnny, who are great as well. Um, he says he really loves being married to someone who's also in business because they can talk about business and he can talk about the problems and she gives him great advice. All right. There you go. 21 things that, um, you know, you would have been able to experience if you were um, here with us 10 days up close and personal with Gerald Ratner. And then finally, the great news is um, I had an idea for Gerald for a book called Reinvention or Reinvent Yourself because I think he's done it as well as anybody in the world. And he really got excited by that idea and started thinking about it over the few days. And we were talking about the concept and how it could be and whether we should interview other people who've reinvented their careers. Um, And so the good news is that Gerald and I are going to meet up um, in the next few weeks. Um, And whilst it's not agreed pen to paper, um, verbally, we've agreed to write that book. And I just think so many people need to read the book on reinvention because so many people are in limbo in their careers or want to be an entrepreneur, but they're in a job and they don't know how to get out of it. Or they're scared that their career that they're in is not going to be there in five or 10 or 20 years. Or they want to be able to reinvent themselves such that if they want flexibility and freedom and to change their mind, they can. They can still monetize it and build a good business. And I just think I've not heard of any books with that concept. So that's the exciting news. All right. So thanks for tuning into the live feed. Ask any questions below if you've got any and I'll happily um, answer them throughout the day. Um, and also, don't forget, if you're not in the Disruptive Entrepreneur community, just search Disruptive Entrepreneur Community on Facebook. Um, there's nearly 10,000 of my um, podcast subscribers there. But if you're listening to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast, which I'm recording on my portable Zoom H1, whoa, um then make sure you're also in this. I've got, what, 1.6 million subscriptions in 189 countries, yet only 10,000 of those, not even, uh, are in our online community where I'm very active. So make sure that you get yourself uh, into that community where we can engage the debates further. Um, And coming soon, uh, I'm going to be doing um, a live Q&A because, do you remember, I gave you a hotline If you listen to one of the previous episodes, I gave you a hotline where you can ask me any question and I'll answer it live on an episode. So I'm going to be doing that. I've got three or four huge celebrity, huge, huge. One of them on one of the biggest TV shows in the whole of Britain. Um, I'm not going to say their names because I've had one or two people agreed and then that hasn't happened yet. And it may still, but I've been moved around a bit. So I'm not going to mention their names, but we've got some really exciting guests coming soon too. So thanks for following. Thanks for doing what you do and being who you are. I'm really grateful. Uh, And remember... If you don't risk anything, you risk everything.